Hey guys, welcome to Soul Cleanse. If you are craving something that you don't even know what you're feeling anymore, if you're craving a shift in your life, in your mind, in your body, this is where you're supposed to be. You were brought here for a reason. You were brought here to understand your patterns, to move through things, to shift things in your life, and to really learn the tools to bring you into your highest potential of who you are meant to be. Let's dive into all the uncomfortable conversations and the gifts that are going to bring you closer to you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Soul Divers. Um, I am humbled and excited to bring you on this guest today, Alan. He is um, the other host of the Hyperconscious Podcast. What a deep man. And, you know, both of them, they really, truly are. They're living their their truth and being true to who they are. And it, I am so excited to bring you guys this one. This is a really a raw one with Alan. And when I do my interviews, I just really in-depth look at the energy that I think that I can, you know, go into it with a with a human as I hold space for them to really share on how it flows out of them. You know, when you're on a mic and you're asked a question and you're being recorded, you're like, how much should I answer this? So I, you know, I naturally just really love diving into people and learning their stories and hearing all, all of their journey. I just think it's a beautiful thing and every story is important. And I'm really excited to bring you guys this one with him. And if you, you know, want to work with him or anything with that too, that's always an option. Alan's amazing. Kevin's amazing. But um, this is one's really just about Alan today. So I'm holding space for you, Alan. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this, sharing your voice, sharing your energy. You are incredible. You're doing incredible things out there. And um I really just see your beautiful light as you are just shining in this world and all of us shine more when we line up with what really lights us up. Our light is really bright. And when we do that, then everything just lines up how, you know, it's meant to be or what we're meant to be doing. So hope you guys enjoy and let's dive into Alan. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, guys, to a brand new week. Um, I have a very humbling, humbling man in front of me, Alan uh, Lazarus, right? No. Lazarus. Lazarus. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> um, he is part of the Hyperconsciousness podcast, and he is um, the partner with um, Kevin, and I had him on before. So, it was only a matter of time that I was going to bring on Alan and I'm really honored and humbled to do this interview with you. And he is a speaker. He is a coach. He is a very humbled, deep man. And I think that you guys can definitely learn a lot from him. And I think that when men really step into their vulnerability, their power, they really line up with their heart and who they are meant to be. And they vibe exactly how they're supposed to attract. So I'm really looking forward to you and I want you to um, set an intention for yourself today. 
And what would that be like the first thing that comes to your mind? For setting an intention? Mm -hmm. It would be the one thing I want to get across to your listeners is that no matter what you've been through, you have a spotless future and you, you can make new choices starting today and your entire future can be different. And to me, that's the most empowering thought there is. This is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Alan, five words to describe who you were before you got into the hyper conscious podcast. So by your letters and your name, I want you to go for what that would stand for then. Oh, wow. Uh, an acronym. So if Alan was an acronym, A-L-A-N. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, for A, I would put angry. Uh, deep down, I think I was, I was angry, even though I didn't know that. Mm. Um, for L, I would say lost. For A, I would say ambitious, extremely, extremely ambitious. And then N, what comes to mind for N? Ah, oh, yeah, I would say nervous. Nervous. Say nervous. And, and just to go a little deeper, I would say nervous to not be loved. Oh, okay. Hush. Um, and then five words to describe who you are now. Mm. Do you want to use my name as it? Do you yes, want now we're going to change it. Okay, so A for Alan. Let's see, A. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw ambitious still. I, okay. I, instead of ambition, I want to use aspiration. I think ambition has a negative connotation, aspiration. Uh, I aspire very, very much. L, learning. Say so I'm constantly learning. A, mm -hmm. I would say the word I want to use is amendment. So like we, ha we have an amendment of the constitution to take what once was and make it better. Uh, I would say amendment. Uh, I think I've done that a lot with my life. And then last one would be N. The word that came to mind, I'm just going to say it was nutritious. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why necessarily, not just with food, but like with all my habits and, and my environment in general. I like it. I, re I actually really appreciate how you actually just closed your eyes and just went into this to see what comes up for you. Because I think that that's, that's our truth is whatever comes up first initially because we can overthink and be like, what's the perfect? Word? Right. Yeah, yeah. What's the perfect thing to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are you today? Oh, I'm in a really good place. So yeah, it's been a lot of mirrors the last few weeks mm. and a lot of growth, but I really feel the, I'm starting to feel the, the transcendence from all of that adversity. Uh, and I definitely, I told you before we started this interview that yesterday and today I've done some breath work, really, yeah. really deep breath work. And I've done a lot of crying, which is very healing. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm very open to like the future and to, to the next chapter, you know? Do you see the next chapter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I see, you mean in terms of my vision? Yep. Yes, I do. I do. Hmm. Do you want me to elaborate? I, yes, but I want to come back. <laughs> yes, you got it. You got it. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, that's definitely part of the questions, but I didn't expect you to say that now. So I was like, oh, maybe. Nope, I'm not going to dig into it yet. Um, Let's, so I'm going to go back into you. So we're going to go into a ride. Uh, how was your emotions molded to you as a child? 
as a child. So I grew up with an older sister mm-hmm. and, and a mother, and they both took really good care of me, uh, very nurturing. My father passed away when I was two years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a stepdad for 13 years. My emotions, how were they molded? I would say that thanks to my sister, in my very, very early years, she really shielded me from some of the um, pain that was in my environment due to my father's death. And as you probably know, at this stage of your life, um, you know, I know I learned that you're 39 and I'm 31. You start to learn as you get older and older and older, like not everyone handles their pain well. Yeah. A lot of people hide from it, you know, and, and I've been guilty of that as well. So I'm not calling anyone out, but I think my sister did a really good job of helping me from a very young age, you know, sort of protect me from, from some of the negative things. And uh, I remember she held my, you know, a pillow over my head and, and made me feel safe, mm. you know, from a young age. And I honestly tell her to this day, like, I don't think my brain would have developed as well as it has if it wasn't for you making me feel safe. So wow. my emotions as a kid were molded a couple things. I would say lots and lots of love very early on. Mm. Um, when my sister left our house, I would say that's when I started to really hit some serious adversity. And uh, I would say lots of love. And I would say this too, lots and lots of aspiration. So my mom, from a very young age, I often tell this story. She said, Alan, you can grow up and you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. But she always had a good way of explaining things to me. She said, life is about choices. If you're a CEO, you can wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to be a farmer. So aim high and then you can choose. But if you decide to be a farmer, you might not be able to just wake up one day and suddenly decide I want to be a CEO. And so she said, aim high and you'll have choices. I once told that story and someone reached out saying, farmers work so hard. I'm not trying to offend anyone. <laughs> you know, my mom was trying yeah. to explain to me. I was just a little kid, right? So, um, but I would say my emotions were a lot, a lot of ambition. And I say ambition instead of aspiration because I think that maybe the slight negative tone with ambition versus aspiration is probably relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say a lot, a lot of love. Was, um, did you feel like you needed to take care? Like, was there any fixer role? Were you trying to take care of like mom or anything too? Hmm. Yeah, for sure. So when my sister left, I do feel like I had to be the man of the house. So my, when my stepdad left, uh, my sister left, uh, not left, but like moved out. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was still in the same town or a nearby town rather, but you know, I definitely felt like the man of the house from a very young age. Uh, when I was 14 and my stepdad left, I definitely felt responsible, responsibility around the emotional well-being of my family. And, and honestly, that's a role that is still continuing to this day, for sure. Hmm. How is that? Hmm. Challenging, definitely challenging. Uh, I often tell this one story and, and if I'm vulnerable here, which I intended to do, yeah. Well, so I'll do it. Um, a few Christmases ago, I want to say four Christmases ago now, at least four, maybe five. I, I've been open on the show about having a, an alcohol problem. And what's interesting is that no one ever really said, Alan, you have an alcohol, alcohol problem. But when I kind of, whenever you have a running theme in your life of these challenges that keep coming up, I always try to ask myself, like, where am I playing a role in this? What is the universe trying to teach me? And so I noticed these patterns of like, okay, this keeps causing me pain. I should probably change it. 
So I know no one else thinks I have a problem, but I think I do. Mm. And so um, there's this one story that's kind of representative of this. It's Christmas Eve and I'm with my sister's ex-fiance, Mike, and we're in the basement and, and he's an awesome guy. We're just having fun and, and um, we shotgun a beer. One turns into two, two turns into four, four turns into eight. Oh, and wow. I didn't intend for it to go that far, but we were just kind of having fun and it was all playful, right? And some, some things are playful and fun at first and then they turn dark. And so um, again, it's Christmas Eve. You know, my mom and my sister have always made, like worked really hard to make Christmas nice. And I personally don't care that much about Christmas, but I know they do. And my mom and my sister got in a little tiff and it wasn't anything terrible, but I'm usually the mediator who's able to help in that situation because we have our trio, you know? Mm-hmm. And because I was drunk, I was not able to mediate at the level that I would have wanted to. And so, you know, I really did kind of, in a way, ruin Christmas a little bit by not making it better. And what's interesting is, and I talk about amendation or redemption, it's like, uh, it wasn't long ago, we were at my mom's 60th birthday, and my mom and sister got another tiff, but I was sober this time. Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I remember the next day after that Christmas Eve, on Christmas, I felt so ashamed. And I was like, okay, it wasn't me who caused the fight. And of course, like, you know, there's this whole thing of like, well, it's this person played a role and this person played a role and this person played a role. Yeah. But at the end of the day, here's the truth. I knew that that could happen and I wasn't in a resourceful enough place to make it better. And so that's on me. And so I felt all the shame and regret and remorse for that. And then here I am four years later, 433 days sober as of today. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, at my mom's 60th birthday, they had been drinking and having fun and that's all fine. They do their thing and they got in a tiff and I was able to mediate it like right away. And I remember sitting there right after that, like so, so happy and so proud of myself. And I guess the takeaway too, for your listeners is it doesn't really matter that much whether or not other people are like giving you validation, but like in terms of integrity, Like, are you genuinely proud of yourself? Not like an ego pride of like, look at how awesome I am, but like an actual, can you look yourself in the mirror and go like, yeah, I'm really, really proud of the man I've become or the woman I've become. And that is definitely for me. I remember thinking about that, like this time, this time I was there and I made it right. And it was just awesome. It was awesome. Oh, that's really incredible. That's really incredible. Why? Why is, why is Christmas? Why don't you like Christmas? I, I don't. <laughs> great question. Um, <laughs> I think the pressure of like, you know, you know, what's interesting. No one's ever asked me that question. I don't dislike <laughs> Christmas. I would say it's a little overly commercialized and I, I love Thanksgiving, gratitude, food, okay. family, yeah. friends. Like it's, it's, to me, it's all about what really matters. Uh, thankfulness, but like Christmas does seem overly commercialized a little bit. And, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily dislike Christmas, but I, I definitely don't have the same, you know, Christmas craze that, that other people seem to have. I, th- I think that there's a lot of, I mean, Christmas is fantastic, but there can be so much pressure on like, I have to get the gifts and I have to make sure I get this gift and that. And it's like weird that it's even... just like, I love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like, let's just get together and tell each other we love each other instead of like, oh my God, like let's run around when there's traffic and all these sales and spend all this money we don't have to please people that, you know, and it's at the end of the day, we just want to say, I love you, you know, to each other. It's true. And then it's, it's actually like a, it's a hangover from the holiday. You're like, Oh, I spent too much. And it's this whole 
<laughs> right? It's like literally it's this whole like, oh my god, like it's all that shame. <laughs> and then the next thing, like, yeah, let's do it again, right? Yeah. It's like, just like, oh, I'll never drink about. again until Friday. And you're like, you forget why you quit that that last hangover. Exactly. After you yes. drink next morning, you're like, I'm never drinking again. <laughs> next, the next wedding you're at, you're uncomfortable and you're socially anxious, and you're like, well. That last hangover wasn't that bad, right? So funny. <laughs> Human it's nature. Human so nature. true. Yeah. It's always like worse than the experience. And then we look back and then we're like, wasn't that bad? And then you come back and just, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's a very abusive relationship. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so you're, you know, you're very in, you know, in touch with your emotions now. Was that because that's when that was rooted as a child or did that develop more as you aged? Uh, that developed way more as I aged. I would say uh, for me early on, I, I expressed my emotion through determination and I still do, but I think now I'm more conscious of it and now it's more of a choice. And so I think that in the past I used to, deal with emotional pain in I wouldn't say negative ways necessarily but in less effective ways than I do now yeah um, and I often tell people this I say you know emotional pain is guaranteed what you do with it is the question and so like when you're in emotional pain and I, I'm thinking back to the last time um, I was in emotional you can either develop a virtue and set a new standard for your life and for your choices or you can escape into a vice and I really, I know this is going to sound a little black and white and binary, but I think some people spend their life seeking truth hmm. and other people spend their life avoiding truth. You know, so if you're out there right now and a good example and a harsh example is if you don't like your physique, you know, you're trying to, there's a reason why Spanx is a billion dollar company, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's not because we're all thrilled with our body. It's because we're trying to tighten something up that, that maybe with a cosmetic thing rather than actually getting right. fit. And I have nothing but compassion because society puts this unhittable standard, you know, and even the models don't look like the models. Trust me, I've been a model, right? And so I do think that if you were to look in that mirror naked, anybody listening, are you genuinely proud of what you see? Hmm. And if not, why not? And what are you going to do about it? And I'm not saying to beat yourself up, but I am saying that if you're not proud, don't hide from the fact that and just tell yourself it's okay. Like only you know whether or not you're living up to your own potential. And I think that honestly, I, to answer your original question, I didn't live up to my potential for a really long time. And I think I was kind of hiding from my own greatness in, a, in an interesting way hmm. because I was afraid to lose love. I think I was afraid that if I really leaned into how, what I know I'm capable of, I was afraid that I would have to give up. John Maxwell talks about giving up to grow up. I was afraid I'd have to give up a lot and what's interesting is so many of my friends that I really do, really do care about and love, they're not in my life anymore. And so on some energetic subconscious level, I was right. You know, if you want to get to the next chapter, you're going to have to turn the page from that last one. And some of the people stay on that chapter and, and it's not easy. That hits, that hits home. Mm. Yep. Mm. <sighs> What age did you start numbing out your reality? That's a great question. That's a great question. I would say probably numbing out my reality. I wasn't conscious of it at the time, but in hindsight, I would say 
probably pretty early. Probably pretty early. Probably seven or eight, something like mm, that. Wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that I was avoiding the truth hmm. uh, because I didn't know what the truth meant. You know, I, uh, yeah. there's a great book by Viktor Frankl called The Man's Search for Meaning. And he was in Auschwitz and uh, concentration camps in World War II. And it's interesting to me because you see these things as a kid, right, that are unsavory. And I also had a really great part of my childhood too. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I grew up on a lake. Like there was a lot of wonderful things, okay? okay? But there were certain things that in hindsight, I didn't understand and I didn't know how to process them. So I think I kind of started either avoiding them or, or thinking it was normal or what. Uh, yeah. And so I think probably on some level, I probably started numbing the truth of my reality pretty early without knowing it because I probably couldn't comprehend the truth and, and emotionally handle that, or at least I didn't believe I could. And no one, I didn't know enough to know that it was a good thing to like look inward and try to process things. And one thing I'll give your listeners too, that came up for me just now, whenever you learn something new, right? I don't know if it was Einstein or whatever, but you have a new sense of awareness. So hopefully after listening to this episode, you leave with a higher sense of awareness. What you're going to probably find is that you have a little bit of an emotional hangover after this episode. Why? Because you're going to have to reprocess your entire life from this higher sense of awareness. One simple example. I remember when I read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Okay. All of a sudden my awareness is like, whoa, that makes perfect sense. Quality time, acts of service, physical mm -hmm. touch, gift giving, and words of affirmation love languages if you're always giving gifts when someone doesn't care about gifts because christmas sucks I'm <laughs> <laughs> and you spend all of your effort there and you're not getting a return on investment on love maybe that's because you weren't doing what their love languages were so now i'm sitting there like oh my god like okay that intimate relationship that okay yeah i was putting massive effort in intentions were pure okay but I wasn't doing their love language. Yeah. I wonder why I didn't get, so you have to reprocess and people are like, no, 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 no. Just, just drive toward the future. Don't think about the past. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. reprocess the past from a higher sense of awareness so mm -hmm. that you invest it in your future. You know, if I teach you something about business right now, you can literally go through all of your experience. If you take the time to reflect and say, oh, now I see things from a higher sense of awareness and now I can make better choices in the future. And so I have Absolutely. a purpose prayer that I tell every, or that I tell myself every day. I've actually only said it once publicly. Um, and one of the sayings in it is learn from the past, enjoy the present and focus on a brighter future for all. And so if you want to focus on a brighter future, that's great. If you want to enjoy the present, that's great, but you've got to learn from the past too. I think a lot of people are so afraid to look at their past and their past choices, especially your past choices. The thing we, doesn't, we don't want to look at is the thing we have to look at most. We don't want to feel the pain of our own terrible choices. But if we don't look at that pain and sit in it and deal with it and forgive it, we're not going to be able to move forward and make better choices instead of just wishing it away. Like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. That wasn't my fault. You know, that wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. If nothing's your fault, you're just going to keep telling yourself that story and making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And eventually that pain, you can either have the feedback along the way or you get all the feedback at once. And um, 
it all shifted for me when I got in that car accident that I've, I've told you about or that you've heard about probably yeah. on the show. And that's when I got all the feedback at once. And so what I try to suggest to people now is, listen, don't get all the feedback at once. Don't almost die and then realize you've lived your life incorrect, in, in, outside of integrity with yourself. Instead, reflect every day. So now I do reverse engineering regret every day, and we can get into that if you want. But my journaling habit is designed so that I never have regret. And that doesn't mean that I don't have regret about what I did yesterday. It means that I'm designing it so that I reflect on yesterday, figure out what I regretted, if anything, and then make sure I move forward more effectively in the future. And if you do that every day, you're going to have the feedback along the way rather than all at once going, what if my whole life was wrong? Wow. Yeah. Um, let's touch on that, what you just mentioned. So let's, what, what does that look like for you? The journaling? Yeah. So um, uh, Bronnie Ware wrote a book. She's an Australian woman. She actually came on our show for episode 180, which was so cool because this was like four years later. I'll give you the very short version of this. So at 26 years old, I got in a car accident and I was up in New Hampshire, with my little cousin. And I usually show the picture of this car in speeches because I want people to realize this is not a fender bender. Okay. The, the car is completely totaled. The fact that we're okay is like crazy miracle. And so my little cousin hurt his knee. I hurt my face on the airbag. I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. And both, luckily the airbags went off and it was, I used to call it the tank. It was like a really strong car, like a, a steel trap type of German car. And so circle back to my father passed away in a car accident when I was two years old. So he was 28 years old and I've seen pictures of his car. And so I'm 26 at the time and I'm sitting in an armchair drinking whiskey, contemplating everything. Like, what if that was it? And I remember I had these questions of like, I'm not proud of the man I've become. And did I courageously fight for what I believe in? Or did I just do what I thought I was supposed to do? Did I ever really chase my dreams? Did I even matter? Did I love openly and fiercely? And so the two questions I would say to ask yourself right now, if you're listening is number one, how courageously am I fighting for what I believe in? And number two, how fiercely do I, am I loving? And we're so afraid to love because when you love so deeply, you might lose. As a matter of fact, you kind of will in a way, right? Like yep. even death, death is the destination we all share. So if you fall head over heels in love with someone, either you're going to die or they're going to die at some point, okay? And if you're out there right now, you've probably lost a pet or a loved one or almost been in a near-death experience. So you know what I'm talking about. So now what I did, and I say this typically, this one quote, you can't see the stars during the day. They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which we simply could not within the light. And so when you're in emotional pain, it's going to wake you up to something you weren't noticing before, something you never saw before, as long as you don't escape it. If you escape it into food or Netflix or drugs or alcohol, then you're going to numb it and you're not going to see the star. For me, I saw a star. I saw two, actually. One was Tony Robbins' TED Talk, most valuable TED Talk of all time. If you're listening, look it up. It's amazing. It Number is. two, Bronnie Ware wrote a book. It's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. When I found this book, it turned my life around. And four years later, I was able to interview Bronnie, which is so cool. But oh, I wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fanboy on that, on that. You would have thought like I was interviewing like Oprah, honestly. <laughs> um, so uh, that's incredible. I have a thank you. Thank you. I have a flashcard in my pocket to this day with the top five regrets of the dying. Bronnie's. Okay. So she worked in hospice for eight years and she thought her job 
was to take care of people medically. What her real job, she realized, and she talks about this in the book, is to listen. And she heard these same patterns. I wish, I wish, I wish. Eight years working with the terminally ill. So these people know they're going to die. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And so the number one regret of the dying, I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Second regret of the dying, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now, I got to ask Bronnie and I said, I think number two is because of number one. And she, <laughs> I'm like, I know it's your work, but like, what do you think, right? Because I love hard work, but that's only because now I love hard work because I'm actually doing what is true to me, right? Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Alan. And I'm like, yes. Okay. <laughs> Just I'm making now, sure. Right, exactly. I've now shifted it to, I wish I hadn't worked so hard on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my true feelings. That's a big one. That one's very difficult. We've all been in an intimate relationship where it's like you're afraid and it's like, what's wrong, babe? Oh, I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm fine. Tired. When in reality, you're freaking out about this fear that you're insecure about that you don't want to say because you don't want to be vulnerable yep. because God forbid someone knows the truth and that you really love them that much, right? Yep. So I wish I had the courage to express my true feelings. Okay, that's number three. Number four, I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. And then number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. Now, I have a flashcard in my pocket with all five of these, and I reverse engineer regret. Shout out to Kevin. He said, dude, why don't you do a journaling habit around that? Reverse engineer regret every day. And I was like, shit, that's the best idea I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) So now I've done that every single day. And so literally what I do is I take these five regrets of the dying by Bronnie Ware. And she has a TED Talk, by the way, too, if you want to look that up instead of read the book. But... um. The first one, I wish I had lived a life true to myself. Now I have a specific question under each that I ask myself to make sure I'm living true to myself. And then I rate myself from zero to 10. And then I, I know, like journal about it, freestyle, just journal about it. Okay. So if I could go back, I would have, you know, cut that call off a little earlier so I could spend some extra time with Emilia, right? And little tweaks, little tweaks. Yeah. 365 days a year, every decade, on the decade. Imagine if you made those little tweaks all along the way. I'm telling you, it has changed my life more than anything else. It's unbelievable. I reverse engineer regret every day so that I don't get to the decade and have a midlife crisis when something goes wrong. Wow. Powerful. Really powerful. I, I don't know actually anything about that. I'm going to look that up. It's really powerful. So thank you for bringing that gift today. You are so very, <laughs> so very well. I get to <laughs> about the top five regrets. So I'm not in business with Bronnie. Bronnie's a sweetheart, but you're not I just I talk about her book probably more than she does <laughs> <laughs> oh well she's really g- gave you a yeah a gift really yourself yes, she has yes she has hmm. what age did you um start stepping into your reality where you're like I want to feel everything I want to experience this after that car accident that I just described so um that's when a lot the of stars people. came on yeah. Yep. We talk a lot about PTSD. Very real thing. Double yellow lines freaked me out. I used to get pulled over. Um, and I, luckily the cops were very kind and they said, I, I basically just said, I got in a tough car accident recently, like double yellow lines. I was too far on the right side and they would pull me over like what's going on here. And I would like yeah. pop my tire and all that. Um, you know, I was claustrophobic for a time. So PTSD, like it's definitely a real thing. When you go through something really traumatic, like it messes with your mind and your emotions and it definitely is something you, you're going to want to learn and heal from. 
but we don't talk enough in my opinion about post-traumatic growth so mm. after that car accident is when i started becoming a seeker of truth rather than an avoider of it and that's when i went all in i you know life or death situations are interesting because when you honestly think you're gonna die and i remember having that moment when i saw the this was a head-on collision and I didn't go through the whole story, but like when I saw those lights, this was a big lift kitted truck coming head on. Okay. I literally thought I was going to die. Like I had that actual moment of this is it. And so after that, you know, I often say you'll never get to he uh, hell yes until you've been to, to fuck no. Pardon my friend. If I'm I don't know if you can here. say it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you though. Bleep. No, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, right? So, so don't wait until you have a life or death you know, car accident to wake up, you know? And, uh, after that car accident though, I was, especially because of my dad, like my whole life, I've heard stories about John. And the interesting thing that I'll give your listeners too, and this, this is a real gift. Actually, most people have an intellectual understanding of death. Mine's always been deeper because I've, I've always understood that life will end. And mm. I've always had an emotional understanding of that. And I hear all these stories about John. Like, I look like him. My mannerisms are like him. And, you know, his side of the family always stares at me because I look just like him. And they never talk about how he died. So what I tell people now is like, listen, how and when you die is not going to matter. How you chose to live. Like, that's what they talk about. They talk about how he chose to live. My mom talks about how 600 people were at his funeral and how they had to, like, you know, I guess basically shut down the town in a certain way because there were so many cars and in Holden, Massachusetts. But, like, that's the thing. How many lives are you touching? And, and they all talk about the joy and the laughter and the love that he spread and stuff. And I, I just think that if we can keep that in mind, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we won't let these external you know, uh, material things run us so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking that in. Um, what did you fear then just in general? What was your biggest fear? When you say then meaning before I leaned into my dreams or mm -hmm. before you leaned into your dreams, like, uh, right after the car accident, just for context. Yeah, actually, right after the car accident. Let's do that. Uh, oh, yeah. So fear. It's interesting. I was, uh, Kevin and I gave a speech for middle school students. And um, one Which of them you guys did. was you guys very amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. It was interesting, right? Because it's like there's a lot of words. Commiserate. Alan, they don't know what that means, man. <laughs> right? Um, you call yourself a speaker, yes. man. Okay. So <laughs> I ended up coaching this 7 and 11-year-old because we gave a free call at the end. We actually gave everybody a free call because we saw their faces when we did like a spinny thing live of like who gets the free call. And then we saw like this little girl go and she got so sad. And we're like, no, 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 never mind. Everybody gets a free call. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and so I coach uh, this young girl and this, this and her brother. Her brother's 11. She's seven. And it's interesting because I actually got on their father's podcast. Who knew? Oh, wow. He has a podcast called The Empowerment Platform, I believe. And his name's Tyrus Shivers. And I went on his show, which was so cool. And I was like, kudos to you for like letting me coach your kids, seven and 11. Like I wish I, wish I did that kind of stuff. Or oh my God, that's amazing. Either, right? It was so cool. But to circle back to your original question, it's, it's interesting because I noticed, I asked them what their fears were. 
And the little girl was like, I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of this. And the little boy is like, I'm not afraid of anything. Mm. And what's interesting is he was kind of like trying not to be in front of the camera. And so it's like this masculine and feminine dynamic. It's very interesting. I'm like, oh, I know what that is, right? So for the men out there in particular and or the women who are with men that, that maybe struggle to be vulnerable, I don't think I was good at admitting my fears. And I think that held me back tremendously. Hmm. After the car accident is when I started to really dig into that stuff. And so what was I afraid of after the car accident? Everything. <laughs> and I finally admitted it, right? Um, I was afraid to not be successful. I was afraid to be successful. Hmm. I was afraid to lose love. I was afraid that I, I was afraid of marriage, but I was also afraid to, to not get married. I, I was afraid to, I was afraid of death. I was afraid of losing my friends. I was afraid of leaving my job that I hated. And so again, you want to talk about all the feedback at once. Those were really traumatic times. Yeah. Um, and you're actually, you know, Phoenix from the ashes, right? It, it has to burn down to really rise to that next level. When the snake sheds its skin, it hurts. We, we, I think we've done four episodes on growing pains. Like we, we keep doing them. Why? Because it's like we keep growing and the growing pains are very real. Oh, they're, I'm in it right now. It's, oh, ve it's very real. It's very real, right? <laughs> and so if you're out there, don't try to avoid pain. Change your relationship with it instead. And don't try to avoid fear. Change your relationship with it. So what was I afraid of? A lot of things. What I was most afraid of was being successful and alone. But I think underneath that, what I was most afraid of, even more than that, was not being successful. And so, super quick story. I was at an event called Influencer Academy. Uh, Brendan Burchard hosted this event. And there's this woman named Natalie Hodson that came on. And her sort of claim to fame, for lack of better phrasing, was that she was super vulnerable on a video. And she peed herself on video. And she had had kids. And for women who have had children um, with natural births they struggle with that yeah and so she like really was vulnerable online and so many women reached out and it just created this sort of movement of like like let's let's talk about the truth instead of these perfect images of what we all aspire to be right. and by the way the perfect image that you're trying to be isn't even real because it's photoshopped at this point right and or surgery and so one thing stuck with me on her speech that I'll never, ever, ever forget. She said, in America specifically, the number one form of shame for females is body image. The number one form of shame for males, she didn't even have to say it, and I knew it. Success. Financial success. Status. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, that is so interesting. Because we have this, and this isn't to pick on Kim Kardashian, okay, but like you have this unattainable image of what a female's supposed to look like. Right. And it's complete nonsense and it's not real. And, and, and it's not even attainable no matter how much you go to the gym. And even then, on top of that, the, video, the images are edited. And out of the thousands that are being taken, only the best ones are cherry picked. So it's this weird, unattainable thing. We've all watched that movie when we were younger where it's like, it's a high school themed movie but yet the high schoolers are 27 and they're like in perfect shape and it's like as a guy you see this it's like in hindsight it's like that guy's 27 like he's like me right now and my 16 year old still haven't hit puberty self is like oh why don't i look like that right <laughs> so you just understand why the security comes 
But my point is this, I was most afraid to not be successful. And I realize this now in hindsight, looking back, the amount of pressure that women have to look perfect is ridiculous. But the amount of pressure that society has imposed on men for being successful is also ridiculous. Oh, wow. And you've got these guys renting boats and yachts and, and, and mansions and Lamborghinis and taking photos in front of them and the entrepreneurial revolution and all that nonsense, right? And it's like body image is to females in this country as status and success is to males. And when I finally learned that, I was just like, you know what, Alan? I, I, I just really owned that fear. And yeah. now I'm, I'm kind of, I built a relationship with that fear. And now I'm actually, I genuinely believe and I intend to be more successful than I ever would have if I didn't face that, that deep, fearful part of me that um, for the guys out there listening, you probably have a deep craving for significance. And I would argue that if you transform that into a craving for growth and contribution, you'll have more significance than you ever would have otherwise. If you didn't feel fear, what would you do? Like, what would, if you take fear out of the picture, what things would you do? Oh, I love that question. So uh, it wasn't long ago where my girlfriend's little sister asked me, what would you do if you win the lottery? Hmm. And uh, she said, you win $30 million, what would you do? And this was just off the cuff. She didn't know what I was going to say. And I said, honestly, and I sat with it for a while. I didn't just answer it off the cuff because we were making dinner, setting up, going to watch a movie. And I said, honestly, I would do everything I'm already doing, but at a much more amplified rate. And I said, if I'm honest with myself too, I'd be much more philanthropic and I'd start my charity sooner. And not long after that, she, she literally was like, that's the best answer I've ever heard. Normally people say the boats and the jet skis and all that stuff. And that's all great. Like, I'm not saying that wanting a nice car is a bad thing. Okay. You wanting that nice car might force you to grow and master money, which is a really good thing for everybody. But, but if you can't answer that question the way I just did, I would argue like, why not? Because there was a time where I would have been like, well, I would change this and this and this and this. And in my head, it's like, if you don't want an amplified version of your current life, I would argue that it's time to redesign. And so to answer your original question of without fear, what would you do? I would lean even deeper into what I'm already doing, which I need to do, by the way. Great question. I, I think that it's, it's time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it's time. Yes. Alan, it's your time. <laughs> it's funny. My girlfriend asks me questions like that all the time and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I really do have to get those those business consultant clients and I really do have to lean into it. Like, it's just interesting. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, she it, literally it, says, she's like, Alan, everyone considers you an expert. I can tell they're not asking you these questions. Okay, okay. Literally, uh, pillow coaching by Emilia Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, you get to come home to that. So it's a constant reminder. She's bringing you more and more into your truth and share your reality. Always. Always beautiful be partner uh, to be with. Best gift of my life, hands down. Mm. I mean, I, I'm just going to say this real quick too, because I, when I was in for your masterminds for both you guys, you and Kevin, and just seeing the women that are you guys are with, it was like you just see the love like shining, and you knew that she was supposed to be with you, and then Kevin, who Taryn was supposed to be with Kevin, and me, it was just incredible. Yeah. I was like, oh man, they're shining. That was such a dream come true. A lot of my, a lot of my stuff is vision oriented. 
uh, and I'm blessed for that for sure. But that was like beyond my vision, you know, like having, having our girlfriends teach about relationships with us there listening. It was just the coolest thing ever. It was the coolest thing ever. Thank you for joining us on that. Yeah, you're welcome. It was, I was really happy that it actually worked out on timing that I could be there. <laughs> yeah, they killed it. They did awesome. They did awesome. They really did. Um, when did you start stepping in to your voice? After the car accident, I started to dive really deep into personal development. And I started reading every book I could get my hands on. I started, you know, again, Ronnie Ware's book, Tony Robbins' TED Talk. I just, I just went all in on getting better. And I quit my job. Hmm. And I had a big nest egg, honestly, um, which was great because I lived on a lake with my ex-girlfriend, Courtney. And I just, I, I, it's almost like my job became to get better and learn. For like a solid two years, I would just do fitness and learn as much as possible and honestly express uh, on social media. I was trying to share my voice on social media, which for anyone out there, it's, it's tough to look back at some of those old videos. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of feedback. Uh, I guess it's better than looking back going, wow, I really used to be really good, right? That's true, that's true. <laughs> but, um, it's funny, cause I, I tell people to, um, I'm by no means, you know, crazy successful on YouTube or anything like that, or even in general, but my first video on YouTube, whenever I have a client who's struggling to like take that leap, I show them this one video. I, I had a series called Real Life Superheroes, right? And I had a superhero shirt on. I was in front of a whiteboard. And I was like, if you want help with speaking and you're scared to speak, like, look at this little boy. Who <laughs> 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 literally looks like, I look 12 now, I look three, right? And I'm talking about all this stuff, right? And, and it's just interesting because it's like, oh, you know, I'll share this as well. My sister recently texted my girlfriend and I, and it was a little, it was a picture of her and I on the couch when we were, I think, so she's three years older than me. I think I was like three and she was probably six. And then she texted another photo from when we were in high school. She was 21 and I was 18, which by the way, I still am hoping to hit puberty. So I looked like really young there. And then she texted another picture of us last year. And it was like, she said, uh, little bro becomes big bro. <laughs> and it's like hilarious. And it's just like, one thing that I would say to everybody, like, listen, I mean, when I say you have a spotless future, I mean it. Like, go watch The Scorpion King by The Rock. Like, he was the worst actor of all time. And he admits it. But he wouldn't be The Rock he is today if he didn't go through that, like, struggle bus um, we were interviewing Evan Carmichael earlier today and I asked Evan, I got a whiteboard right here. One of my questions is right on it. He posted this. Okay, ready? Mm -hmm. YouTube. Evan Carmichael has 2.56 million YouTube subscribers. Okay. Uh, over 6,000 videos. Okay. Wow. It took him four years to get 996 subscribers. Can you imagine doing something every day for four years and having 900 subscribers? Four wow. years after that, 400,000. Four years after that, 2 million. Now he's Evan Carmichael. The problem is we're seeing Evan Carmichael now. Yeah. So if you're out there and you want to start that dream, it is a struggle. And so, to, again, circle back to your original question. It's literally like, when did I start leaning into my own voice? I started way before I was any good. Mm. I, I, start, I think we, there's so much... 
when we just start. You just need to start, even if you don't know what you're doing. And then it all just starts, you start manifesting all of the things that you're like, this is what I want to do. And then it all just starts magically coming into place. And I, I think we, for, we can forget that. Yeah, we can lose sight of that so easily, especially if we're chasing a result rather than the mastery of the process. One thing that I want to share with you quickly too. Yeah. So I have a flashcard in my pocket with my critical numbers. One of my critical numbers is the number of podcasts I've done. And so this is going to be 474 today. So if anyone's out there and they think this is good, just understand, right? Like I, I was not this good before. Imagine doing something 474 times and not being good at it. It's not going to happen, right? If you snowboard yeah. since you were a kid, you're going to be awesome, right? And if I've never snowboarded, we're going to go snowboarding together and I'm going to think I suck. You don't suck. You're just at a different chapter. So, you know, no one wants to be Jeff Bezos in 1994 when he asked his investors for 20 grand and they go, what's the internet? But now everyone wants to be Jeff Bezos with Amazon and the richest man in the world. Like, ignore all that shit. Ignore all that nonsense and just do what you know in your heart you want to do because it's what's within integrity within yourself. And I think that the, when you really embrace what I just said, the, the right person's places, things and ideas will be attracted to you because you really focused on the thing you want to do. Um, and I'll share this with you briefly too. If I were to say five names to you, Eminem, Serena Williams, Meryl Streep, Warren Buffett, and Tom Brady. Okay. Mm -hmm. You recognize all those names, right? Yeah. And so do I. What's interesting is that all five of them got really, really good at one thing. Meryl Streep, acting. Serena Williams, tennis. Warren Buffett, financial investing. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, quarterback, football, right? And Eminem, rap. Now, your character is what matters most to your friends, to your family, to your intimate partner. I think it's what matters most, period, especially to yourself. My favorite poem of all time is The Man in the Mirror. And it talks about how if you're not happy when you look in the mirror, it doesn't matter how much rich and famousness you have. But what I will tell you, and this is really important distinction, when it comes to your career, unfortunately, perception in the marketplace matters. You're not going to hire Eminem because he's a good dad, but you are going to hire him to rap. And I'm not saying he's a bad dad. I'm just saying, understand the difference between the marketplace and your character and make sure that they're congruent. I, I've seen so many people where their brand is so different than who they are. It bothers me. And that facade, we wonder why these rich and famous people are going in and out of rehab. It's because you're not authentic. And, it's yeah. not, and I understand why you're not, right? Because you, you've been known for this thing and you're so afraid that if you go outside that brand, you'll lose success. When in reality, you could adapt it, you could tweak it, you could try to align it, you know? You need to take uh, off the mask. Right, take off the mask. We've all seen that friend of ours who like is so different around their intimate partner versus <laughs> when they're with just us. And it's like, oh, that's got to be a thing. Yeah. Like there's no way, you can't be that different, right? How drastic mm -hmm. is that difference, right? And uh, so that's, that's something that I would say as well is, is how authentic can you be in the rooms you're in? And if not, why not? Because people are suppressing you with their own judgment, their own beliefs. I'm really glad that you said all that. Yeah. Gosh. Um, when, like how, when you were younger, what was your, your self-worth? Uh, so I, I do think it was high. I do think it was high. So Kevin and I have a framework called the drive to five that I'm sure you've heard of. And yes. 
<laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it. So <laughs> didn't even realize. It. So speaking of self worth, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So, so the drive to five is simple. Um, if you're a zero, you struggle with self doubt. You struggle with insecurity. You struggle with believing you're good enough, believing you can do it, believing it's possible for you. If you're on a ten, you're arrogant. In other words, you have an inflated view of self. You think just showing up is enough. Okay. I I was guilty of being the ten. Um, and Kevin was guilty of the self-doubt. Neither one's the truth. The five is the truth, okay? And massive action is the cure-all. Because if I think I'm a great speaker and then I go speak and it's terrible and I'm a 10, I'm going to go down to five. Maybe I'll go down to zero and then level out to five. If you yeah. think you're the worst speaker ever and you go give a speech, you're going to do better than you thought you'd do. So you're going to build evidence that you're better than you thought and you're going to build confidence. So one of them's going to get humbled through action one of them is going to get confident through action and you need both. We've all met that friend who like thinks they're so good at something until they get around someone who's really good. And it's like, yeah, Alan, you were good at basketball in Uxbridge, Massachusetts. I'll never forget. I went to Venice beach and I got reverse dunked on by a guy in D one Yukon. And it's like, it's, you, you don't want to be a big fish in a small pond, but you also don't want to be the smallest fish looking at the rock going, I'm the worst. Yeah. Right. So it, you just got to be hyper-conscious of those two extremes and try to live in the middle, try to live in the truth. Hmm. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent. When you, um, the, I know that this probably can be a story. So I want you to kind of do it where, um, what, what this brings up for you. So relationships, because now you have a beautiful relationships, what type of relationships were you attracted to then? And then when you, got into a healthy relationship now was that really uncomfortable and vulnerable for you to be in that or did you that just make sense for you because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we can go something from really unhealthy into something that really is healthier it's it brings up all of our stuff oh yeah <laughs> Wait, <question>. Holy crap. <laughs> so um I do think that the point of an intimate relationship, you're talking about intimate relationships. Yes. yes. So I think the point of an intimate relationship, and I didn't always believe this necessarily, um, but I do now, I believe the point of an intimate relationship is growth. And if you do frame it that way, now every challenge is seen as a good thing. Um, and so that's huge. What I would say to answer your original question, like in the past, and I'll just be open here, I do think that what I attracted to me mm -hmm. or pursued was primarily um i wanted a gorgeous girlfriend and you know call me a stereotypical teenage guy or or early 20s. You're, you know, I, I really respect that you're you're saying the truth that's like yeah. that's what i wanted yeah i do think that sexual attraction was the primary driver and i wasn't aware of that like, yeah I, of course i wanted other things too i i think of it like this physical mental emotional spiritual so physical was a big driver for me in the intimate arena. But what's interesting is that I finally said no more of that. As a matter of fact, the last time I was single, getting out of my last relationship, I, and my, my friends would attest to this, and Kevin would as well, I was like, I cannot go in that room. This girl wants to hang out, and I won't do it because, yes, I find her incredibly physically attractive, but I want to be pulled intuitively. I want to – so physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And for those of you out there who don't know this framework – um, it's a framework that me and one of my clients co-created, and it's the four facets of the human condition. Here's a simple way to explain it. Physical is your actions. Mental is your thoughts. Emotion is your feelings. 
Spiritual is your intuition. Okay. I wanted to be intuitively pulled into my next relationship. Okay. And I didn't want to, you know, pursue another relationship based on the sexual attraction. Yeah. The physical. And what's interesting is now I have the most physically attractive female I've ever seen in my entire life. And <laughs> how did that work? Right. Um, and it's just awesome. So in the past, I do think that it was more physically driven. And if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would say, listen, Alan, like, that's not the purpose of an intimate relationship. And it's understandable that that's one facet. It is important. If you're not physically attracted to your partner, that is definitely a problem. But that shouldn't be the only criteria. And I'm not saying it was the only criteria, but it was definitely a, a major one. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of guys are guilty of that for sure. How, uh, so when, when you got with her, how was, how was that experience when you guys got together? With Emilia? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emilia is, and I say this to her all the time, I, I said this to her recently, I said, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And she said, for you. It's been interesting because I often use this analogy of like, when your dreams to play in the NFL, and these are very dude analogies, I apologize, but like, <laughs> okay, if your dreams- like, I'm learning. In, right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> if your dreams to play in the NFL, when you get to the NFL, your life doesn't get easier. I mean, yeah, certain aspects do because now you have the money or whatever, but it's actually harder to play in the NFL than it is in college, generally speaking. And so one of the misnomers, mistruths of success in anything, including an intimate relationship, is that it's going to get easier. Here's what I would say. My relationship with Emilia is healthier, far more positive, far more growth-oriented, far more contribution-driven. It's literally the best thing that's ever happened for me. But I've had to face parts of myself that I wouldn't have normally. Mm. I'll tell a super vulnerable story. Um, I've actually never told this before publicly. So typically, uh, I don't struggle with any sort of erectile issues, okay? Okay. And there was this one time with Emilia where we were making love and I was having trouble. And I wasn't drunk. I wasn't tired. Like I was like, the truth of the matter is, is that I was scared. Why was I scared? I was so unbelievably in love. Like straight up. I was the, like... It was the most in love I'd ever been in my entire life. And it was freaking me out wow. because in my head, it was like a little bit of fear of like, what if something happened? Like, what if, yeah. what if I lost her or what if something happened to her? Like all that stuff. And so I often say that I never lie to Emilia. I never will. And so I ended up telling her, even though it was a very vulnerable thing. And I said, sweetheart, I, you're, I'm sure you noticed like that was the first time I've ever had any challenges in that area. Yeah. Um, and I said, I just want to express my truth to you. I want you to know that that's because this is, this is beyond where I've ever been in terms of being in love with someone. Which is super hard for a guy to admit most, any sort of ego driven guy. And I'm not saying I'm an ego driven guy, but like, it's really hard to admit that, especially to even admit the fact that you have any challenges in that arena. So after that, though, and this is the, the, the thing, she was unbelievably certain and secure in our relationship, and our relationship got better. So, hmm. so here's a question I would pose to everyone out there, and I would pose this to myself in past relationships. Vulnerability is about the truth, the hard truth. I have a new mantra. It's be truthful but kind, okay? So if the truth and expressing the truth separates you and your partner on some level i believe energetically that's 
a sign that it should be that way. Because I also believe the same, the, the other side of that coin is if you're vulnerable enough to express the truth and you grow together, which is most likely what will happen, by the way, if you can learn how to be vulnerable, at least that's what I've found to be true, then that's a good thing. And so what I had to tell myself, and I told Emilia this, I said, whenever I feel that fear of like anything happening or losing her, or we say we choose each other every day. So like she actually wrote me a love letter via text like yesterday morning. Mm. Uh, it was the best. It was unbelievable. Started my day. It was the best. And she said, thank you so much for choosing me every day. And it's just like, okay, if you're afraid to lose your partner and you live in that fear, I would argue that you're living in scarcity and not in abundance. And the way I describe abundance versus scarcity is one of them is Mufasa and one of them is Scar. Okay. Mufasa is king because of who he has become. Okay, power versus force. Scar has to manipulate and lie, cheat, steal, kill Mufasa to be king. Hyenas, all that. And so for anyone who's seen The Lion King, like Mufasa is king because of what he's attracted, because of who he's become. Scar has to manipulate his way to be king. And I would say this, if you're in that scarce, fearful, I don't want to lose this person, possessive mentality, your relationship is not going to be abundant and beautiful. And what I've told her and what I tell myself now is that if I lean into what I know will make me my highest self with an integrity of myself, my best self, I know that Emilia's intuition will always choose me. And so that's the only thing you have control over anyway. So those are things that I've had to face. That's just one example, but those are things I've had to face where you think it's going to get easier when it is easier. The day-to-day is easier. You know, we're in harmony, like we're kicking butt. But when it comes to what you're going to have to face within yourself, like we all have these walls up of like, well, I don't really want to like tell anyone that thing because then they might not love me. But the walls we, we put up to keep out the bad guys also keep out the good ones. And so, yeah, that's just one example of something that I had to face and really, really push through, um, which you know, is just another shedding of like that ego. Yeah. That when you do that, I mean, you're bringing into intimacy, like closer to you and speaking your truth. And then you guys are speaking closer together. So she really, she really saw you and and like, I'm really, and that probably right. Like you said, it brought you guys closer. So it's, it's really incredible when we are vulnerable and we say it, and if they can't take that, we shouldn't shut ourselves out because of that. We should never shut ourselves out because vulnerable is our biggest gift to ourself. Mm. This is a vulnerable show. I mean, like when people, if people have any confusion about what vulnerability is, think about the story I just shared publicly. Yeah. How much vulnerability is required for me to actually do that? And, and that's, I didn't start here. <laughs> you know, I, I, yes. I, it was like, well, Hey man, I'm really sorry. I lied to you back there. It was actually, you know, it was actually only $180,000. Like I, I didn't really make 200,000. Right. So that, that's the little bit more of the truth, a little bit more of the truth, a little bit more of the truth. So if you've been hiding from the truth, which we're all guilty of, don't start with, Hey, everybody, 
couldn't get it up the other night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like here's the thing I want to say too. Emilia gave me love in those vulnerable moments. So one of the reasons why anyone out there struggles to be vulnerable, and this is what I, why I believe I struggle to be vulnerable, is because unfortunately, whenever I was vulnerable and I was powerless and I was a kid, I do think that that vulnerability made me, it did, it hurt me. It hurt me tremendously, actually. Um, and so if you're out there right now, there's probably, your subconscious remembers your past. And I bet you there are times where you were, you felt powerless or weak and vulnerable and you got very taken advantage of verbally or physically. And if that has happened to you, you're still holding on to that on some level. So you gotta, you gotta try to dig into that stuff and, and heal. Crying is healing. If you're one uh, of the dudes who's like, oh, I never cried a movie. And it's like, oh, Titanic. Like, let's laugh about how two people can fit on that, that door instead of actually feeling the moment, which, by the way, two people could totally fit on that door. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, but like, 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 feel. You got to learn how to feel. Feeling's important. Feeling important. Yeah, the feeling is, is so important. And, you know, sometimes, too, I'll be, if I'm feeling something and I'm going grocery shopping and I'm crying, and I'm feeling they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You okay. I'm like, this is amazing. Like yeah, I'm yeah. feeling <laughs> what I'm actually feeling. And then people don't know how to respond to it. And I'm like, that's okay. And that's okay. And we have to remind ourselves that it's okay that we're feeling and expressing and whatever we're feeling in that moment for it. Cause it's like, we're, we should teach people that it's okay to cry. We should teach people that it's okay to feel. And sometimes it can be a lot for people if they've had their walls up for a long time. And I get that and I respect it, but it's, it's not the way to live. You're no. just shutting yourself down. We've been and... on both ends of that, Dylan. We've been on both ends of that. Trust me, this end is better. You know, yeah. I definitely the, I have pictures. I have a folder called perspective and whenever Facebook memories come up, um, I'll save them. I did this today actually. And I'll put them in this folder of perspective. And I, I saw this one photo of me like this and I was in college. I was partying at UMass Amherst, my friend's college. And I was just like, you know what? I don't see us a, a, a confident, young man I see a scared shitless kid hmm. and it's understandable given what I've gone through and I'm not going to get into that but like at the same time it's like I wish I could sit that that kid down and say listen what you think is right about your pain avoiding it is never going to help you're never going to be successful enough to 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 fix that that hole um and I don't want to call it a hole because you're not broken but why not it's interesting because now it's so obvious to me that my adversity was my advantage like i did a triathlon and and compared to what i've been through what a fucking joke pardon my french no like the emotional pain that i've been through a triathlon's not gonna beat me you know (laughs) it's like oh i don't feel like getting up today like no that's all a joke so your adversity can be your advantage as long as you have a growth mindset if you don't have a growth mindset, I'm going to admit, and I've seen this too many times, your adversity becomes a, a stopping point. So some people, you've heard the saying, it's 1% what happens to you, 99% what you do about it. I mean, we've interviewed so many people where they've had the most heinous stuff happen to them. And it's what they did about it. Yeah. You know, um, you know one person gets in a car accident and changes their life, and the other person, you know, uses that as a reason to, to, to stay where they are. And so, you know, if you're out there and you have a growth mindset, which you probably do because you're listening to a podcast <laughs> that's growth oriented, um, then your adversity is your advantage. And I think we avoid pain. And I, I think that's a huge mistake. I mean, if you're avoiding pain, you'll never be in shape, right? You, you got you to gotta have a relationship with pain and, at the gym if you want to build muscle mass. Yeah. And I think that's a good analogy for emotional well-being and emotional fitness too. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's so many gifts in our, 
our biggest and our darkest moments. If you feel it, you experience it, you understand it, you write through it, you just allow yourself to feel it. It will go through. Mm. It will go through. I'm going to go into uh, a little bit of a faster round with you um, okay. here. It's been such a, such freaking honor. I was like, I don't even want to end this with you. Ah, um, honor is all mine, Dylan. <laughs> these are great questions. I've never been asked some of these questions before. So, oh, thank you. You're helping me. You're helping change my life because my awareness of myself has been heightened. Hmm. I really. I'm gonna take that to heart. Really. I want you to. Um, three words describe the inspiration that you get from what you do now. Three words describe it. Fulfilling. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I would say empowerment. Uh, it's extremely empowering to see other people succeeding beyond what I know. There's something, there's something interesting about watching someone exceed their own expectations when you always knew it was possible for them. It's the freaking coolest thing in the world. It's like when you see someone, you know, someone's potential and, you know, that can be a whole st uh, a conversation itself because we can play tricks and like, I see what you could be doing, but when you actually see them step into their own skin, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah, it's, Gosh. The it's the best. Uh, three words to describe the hardest part about what you do. Um, one of them would be, I think the hardest part of what I do is trying to under, uh, three words, three words, three separate words or three words at once. Mm. Whatever's speaking to you, go with your intuition. You've been I want to do three separate ones. Okay. Uh, number one is challenge. So I believe that, you know, if you don't, if you don't aspire to much, you're not going to have to become much. Uh, and I think that honestly, that's one of the reasons a lot of people have small dreams in my opinion is that maybe they do want to wake up and not have that pressure, you know? Ah, number two is pressure for sure. <laughs> oh my God, for sure. Uh, that weight of what you know you're capable of is mm. heavy heavy uh, when you talked about self-worth when you have high self-worth and high self-belief the weight that comes with that is something people don't talk about it must be nice to be so confident it's like it is it is right <laughs> like <laughs> i know what i'm capable of watching netflix eating cheetos is a lot harder <laughs> <laughs> but I still do. doing no. myself a disservice yeah, right, right now <laughs> <laughs> but I still will do it no. um but seriously okay so <laughs> challenge pressure uh, I would say choice. The last one choice. is choice. Very, very difficult. Uh, I'll give you a, a, a tangible example quick. One of my dearest friends, his name's Kiki. Uh, his name's Keith Gordon, really, actually. Um, but we call him Kiki. His mom called him Kiki. And I love him. He's an awesome guy. He's a dear friend of mine. We grew up together. And uh, last time I went and got a haircut, he lives right near my barber. And so I went and stopped by. And I ended up spending three hours with him just talking, catching up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Kiki were to listen to this right now, truthful, but kind, and I've, I've told him this via text as well. 
I said, Kiki, I, I want you to know I, I love you. I care about you. You're always going to be a dear friend of mine, but right now I'm going to have to go away. Um, and, and, and between you and I, Dylan, he still spends a lot of time with all the friends we grew up with and I love all of them dearly. And, you know, I still care about all my college friends too. I would say choice is really hard because I've had to make, again, John Maxwell has a book called the 15 invaluable laws of growth. And it's the law of trade-offs. He said, you have to give up to grow up. And unfortunately I have had to give up a lot of quality time with some people that I really love to, to really lean into who I know I'm capable of being. So that's, that's by far the hardest out of all of it, honestly. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be honorable to your lady if I said, what is your why? Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to the Why Power podcast. Uh, yeah, so legacy. Um, again, it goes down to, I think your purpose comes from your deepest pain. And, and it's interesting because I was doing breath work in the studio. We, we, I told you this earlier. We closed the blinds. We shut off the lights. Me, Mark Metry, and Kevin are in here doing breath work. And I was just bawling um, at the tail end of it. And they were both very sweet. But it's still just my dad. And like, um, I grew up my whole life hearing stories about my dad. And again, there's that Jim Carrey quote where he says, I hope everyone can become rich and famous so they can know that that's not where you're going to find your sense of completion. The effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And I think that after that car accident, when I had all that regret, I didn't regret the fact that I was ambitious or successful. I think I regretted the fact that my effect on others was not quite as positive in terms of leading by example as I would have liked. And so now I went all in on, on impact. And so I think there's three main facets to life. My why power. Um, I think there's mastery, impact, and money. And in that order, okay, wake up every day, master your craft, make sure you're clear on what that is, get better every single day. Number two, use that craft to impact as many people as you possibly can. And that doesn't mean just numbers. That means breadth and depth. You can impact someone else's life, one person, in a big way or a thousand people in a smaller way. You gotta, you gotta do both. And then money, profitability, currency, like making sure that you design a life that's improving and not getting worse. Um, so my why power is at the end of my life, I wanna be proud of the man that I was and the example that I set. And I, and I wanna know that my effect on others has been super, super positive. Uh, just like, you know, I hear my dad. I hear stories of my dad all the time. My aunt, Joan Ann, one of my business coaches, she's a super successful financial. She started the first woman-founded financial firm in New York City. And she, her biggest why power still to this day is my dad. And wow. the effect we can have on other people is so much bigger than we realize in the moment because they haven't passed away or because we're not seeing the accumulated compound effect of all those positive associations over time. Um, and that's why it's like, if you ever lose a family member or, or a pet, it, it brings people together and it makes you realize the preciousness of life. Um, I was, shout out to Emilia in the Y Power podcast. I was with her the other night and this was last week actually. And we're in bed and we're listening to love songs. 
call us sappy. This is great. We have our own playlist now. We have our own playlist now. We were literally had our phone. The lights were dim and we were listening to these love songs and there's only four of them on the playlist, but we were just listening to all of them. And I said, sweetheart, we're never going to have this moment again. Hmm. And she literally, and she was talking about this on a podcast the next evening and I was watching it live on Instagram. And she said that she actually cried in that moment. And it's true though. It's true. And so I would say the last thing I'd say, my why power, my biggest regrets came when I took things for granted. When I took people for granted, when I took places for granted, things, ideas, when I took my own potential for granted. So, so yeah, my why power is to, to live a regret-free life where I maximize my potential and my impact and call it cliche, but it is what drives me every single day. Yes. What is your soul craving right now? Uh, I miss Emilia. I haven't seen her. Uh, she's she's got strep, and I uh, we were supposed to hang out on Tuesday, and I'm seeing her this evening. Mm. <laughs> Excited. Uh, but it's been a while. I haven't seen her. Usually we don't go this long, but I miss her. Ah, uh, what is your uh, favorite thing to do? Hmm. This. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> um your favorite song to jam out to what's your song Ooh, favorite song to jam out to hmm to jam out to we have a pre-podcast song that we listened to right before our evan carmichael interview Josie's on a vacation far away. <laughs> yes. I'm in it to talk it over. I'm not, I don't practice singing quite <laughs> speaking. Uh, so there's that. But that's free. That's free for you. If you oh, want. perfect. I'm, I'm taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> for a reason. Huh. Um, if you were to have a superpower, what would it be? Ooh. Ah, I love that question. So Emilia and I talk about this all the time. It would be to pause time with her. Time flies when I'm with her. It's unreal. Time slips away and it's like 10 hours can feel like 10 minutes. Um, wow. Quick little thing, super fast. Yeah. Put your hand on a hot stove. A minute will feel like an hour. Spend an hour with the love of your life. An hour might feel like a minute. And it's like, that's relativity. relativity. I wish I could pause time and just be with her and, and because we're super productive, right? Like I track my productivity yesterday. I had a 73.18% day, right? So I'm obnoxious. So I want to spend more time with her, but I also want to change the world. And so that's I'm trying to integrate those two <laughs> as best as I can. Right. Um, but that's what I would want. I would want to be able to pause time. Uh, and yeah. Yep. Pause time. Um, it's your last time going on stage, what would you say? Oh, I would say what I said at the beginning of this interview. I would say, oh. so <sighs> hypothetical scenario, right? Everyone listening. There's a mother, there's a two-year-old boy and the two-year-old boy is adventurous and just learned how to crawl. Okay. You're in the park. The mother gets caught off in a, caught up in a conversation. God forbid the two-year-old crawls into the road, gets hit by a car and dies. Okay. Horrible hypothetical. Now there's three people who had real influence over this circumstance. There's the mother, there's the little boy, and there's the driver. 
now, should the mother have been paying more attention? Should the driver have been paying more attention? Yes, probably. Here's what I know for sure. It is not the two-year-old's fault. Why? Because the two-year-old was not aware that cars are dangerous. So the, the thing that I would tell on stage, if it was my last time on stage, mm -hmm. I would say, number one, you have a spotless future. No matter how hard the past has been, no matter how hard the present is, you have a spotless future. And if you have an awareness that you should exercise every day for your good health, that you should do kind acts for others, that you should maximize your potential and grow, and you don't, that's on you. And I think fulfillment is the tell-all. Life is about choices. If you're making the right choices, you will be fulfilled. If you're making the wrong ones, you won't. And if you are chasing pleasure at the expense of fulfillment, you are definitely headed towards some serious negative feedback. Last day on earth. What do you want to do? Last day on earth. Uh, Kevin and I ask ourselves these questions. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> one of them is, if the world was going to end tomorrow, who would you want to spend tonight with? And it would definitely be Emilia. So what would I do on my last day on earth? I would spend the day with her. Um, honestly, I would probably just want to be in solitude with her and I would include nature. Hmm. I would include Tucker. I would make sure that I spent quality time with my mom and my sister, Kevin. I would make sure that I told everyone that uh, has positively impacted my life. I would make sure I express gratitude to all of them. So in my journaling habit, I say, what are three things? So I do it every morning. So it's the previous day. What are three things that someone helped me with yesterday that I couldn't have done myself? And, and every single day, I screenshot this and I send it to those people. And I pick three. And so today I sent it to Emilia, Amy, and Natalie. Uh, Amy's my assistant. Natalie's on our team. And so I would make sure that everyone, I would spend the day expressing gratitude. And I would spend quality time with Emilia, my mom, my sister, Kevin, and, and close friends. Mm. Alan, what do you want to be known for? The idea that huh, the idea that you really can do whatever you really want in your heart. So true desire of the heart. Now, if it's an ego-driven goal, like I don't think it's going to fulfill you. What I want to be known for is the idea that you can become anything you want to become if you work hard enough on it and that that's a choice. When was the first time that you experienced joy? Uh, I don't even know if this is a true memory. I, I, it's interesting. This is very synchronistic because I mentioned this for the first time ever uh, yesterday when I was in the studio with hmm. Mark. My dad was throwing me up on a pillow. Like I was a two-year-old and he was like throwing me up on a pillow. And I'm honestly not sure if it's real, but I'm pretty sure I've asked my mom this and I'm pretty sure she said, yeah, he used to do that. So I'm pretty sure. And I remember it's like a joyful moment. I could feel it. Like it's like a joyful <laughs> thing, but I think that's the only memory I have. Um, and I, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's real, but I think it is. And um, that was definitely joyful. So that's the first memory I have of joy.
I believe I have of joy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's young enough. That's a, that's a very, I mean, young, yeah, memory that's coming in. I think that's probably true. I think the pillow is green and I think the bedspread's green. Wow. Crazy. It's um, been an absolute honor, really. You know, Kevin said you were really good at this. (laughs) And this, this exceeded my expectations in every way. So. I'm really proud of you. This was amazing. This is probably my favorite interview I've ever done, actually. Damn. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. I really put my heart into it and it's just coming to life. So it's been an, an incredible gift to share this with people to really just look within. And I just, I'm following me. Good. Uh, in my opinion, and I told Emilia and Bianca this at the beginning, because when I see greatness, I want to make sure I call it out uh, and I challenge you. So what do you want to be known for? The challenger. No. So the only way I see you not succeeding and impacting a lot of lives is if you can't be consistent. This is amazing. Okay. I don't know how many episodes you are in, but it's certainly not 430. I've been on a lot of shows, Dylan, and I'm not saying that as an ego thing. I'm saying this was fire. The world needs this more now than ever. And you know it with COVID and all that stuff. Like the only way you don't win is if you're not consistent. I told Emilia and Bianca that you're both gorgeous. You're both brilliant. Your potential is limitless. The only way you two don't change the world in your own unique way with this podcast is if you can't show up every week. And so far they're 15 for 15, but I'm going to say the same thing to you because this is the best interview I've ever been on. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Alan, um, where do we find you? Where do they find you? Ah, so uh, you can Google my name, Alan Lazarus, last name. So first name, A-L-A-N, which you know because of the acronym questions. Um, last name, L-A-Z-A-R-O-S. If you Google Alan Lazarus, there's only one other and it's Alan Lazaro in Germany and he doesn't have an online footprint. So I'll come up <laughs> um, a whole bunch. You can do Instagram at Lazarus 88 You can do LinkedIn, uh, reach out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere. Also, the hyperconsciouspodcast.com, all one word, the hyperconsciouspodcast.com, spelt just like it sounds. And uh, you can contact us there. Between Amy and myself, Amy's my assistant, we get back to literally everybody. Um, so please reach out. Hmm. Uh, um, wishing you guys an amazing week as you move through everything that you're going through and just honoring your soul and owning your truth and just stepping in more and more into you. Always a pleasure, guys. Deeply, deeply take care. I also wanted to mention my class that I'm to doing Soul Cleanse. And a few episodes back, I mentioned it too, that I've been doing it online. And if you mention this episode too, I'm doing my class right now for $30, 80 minutes. It is a workout it is yin yoga, it is meditation, it is breath, it is meant to take you through a cleanse in your body to see what's going on in there, to have you face yourself, to empower you, to really just bring you this absolute cleanse experience. Every single class is different. I do different themes. The playlist takes a long time to take you through the journey to, um, for me to do it. But right now, I would love to offer it, offer it you guys too. So if it is, speaks to you, find me on Instagram, 
Dylan, it's your time. And let's have you join and build the community of the soul cleansing. I'm, I'm so honored to bring this through all over the world. And I just love connection. And I want to bring something that has you guys just be with you. To have a safe space, to be with you, to feel all your feelings, to have a good workout in, to ground you with meditation, to bring you into yin yoga. And if you haven't done yin yoga, these are holding poses for two to three minutes to release the tension in the body, to release the emotion in the body, to really ground you. So afterwards you feel completely shifted. And as you go through the weeks, you'll feel a difference. Your body, your mind will start to crave these classes. I'm not just speaking from my experience as me teaching this, but I've been hearing this from people too, is they start to crave when they're ready for the next one. So I want to offer that with you guys. So if you reach out to me, see when I'm always posting on my Instagram, when the classes are as well. So just, I'd love to have you join and bring a friend. Let's, let's get the community involved in healing and moving through it all. And I'm looking forward to connecting with every single one of you. So reach out to me if this speaks to you. Fantastic. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. It's okay. It's all okay to feel what you need to feel. All right. Taking care. Much love. Always keep diving into your time. <laughs>